Welcome to the inaugural episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan. And I'm your other host, Ben. It's a pleasure to have you all. Welcome. So uh, this is the very first time that we're doing this. We're kind of sitting down. We're talking about our favorite games. Ben and I have known each other a very long time. We're talking about the games that we love, the games we love to play, the games that have, on some level, forged and united our friendship over literally decades and um, if I can be just completely honest here about just myself, I would say we're going to talk about the games that define what I am best at as a human being. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, 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 like I'm not good at taking care of the dog or like <laughs> going to work, may- maybe a little bit, but I'm not a successful person. It, it definitely is why we all like you very much. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> you see, you can write that on my gravestone. That we liked the games. Yes, yes, th- definitely. You know, th- there are there would be like worse things to have on your gravestone. Like like um, he uh, he he did a good job for the company. I mean, I, I can't. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather be known for the. I'd rather be known for the games. Yeah, and I think we're also going to be talking about like uh, the games that we're currently playing. Um, I think we we had uh, we have just started a game, and we wanted to do an actual play podcast, but out of consideration to. Uh, some of our gamer friends who felt it might be kind of imposing. We are not doing that. Instead, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like the next best thing to being there, right? I think that, I mean, we've all been in a situation where we meet up with our, our gamer buddies who maybe um, we don't get to see as much as we would like. We don't get to play with them as much as we would like. And um, you talk about the game that you're in, you know? And, and that's fun. There's something, there's, that, that's, that's a fun thing to do. Yeah, I mean, to be totally honest, it's the things that we all enjoy doing and we love doing and we look forward to doing, and it seems uh, only fitting to sort of talk about it and share it with other people. Exactly, exactly. And Ben and I, we, we've we done all this crap, man. We've done, we've LARPed, we've done so much tabletop. Definitely. I mean, you can talk about a little bit of background on ourselves. I mean, I've, I started off uh, over 20 years ago. Uh, the first game I ever played... Um, would probably be uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the original edition. Um, the you know, original edition. The original edition. The original edition. Yeah, I had a. I was in a sort of a youth orchestra, and uh, you were in a sort of youth orchestra. What yeah, I was mean? in a youth orchestra. So- a well, sort of youth orchestra. Okay. What was going on there that was made it only? Sort I mean, it of- was a youth orchestra. This was when in, when I was in middle school, and uh, there was a German exchange kid who was in the same orchestra. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he had the original version of Dungeons and Dragons that we all learned how to play on a tour bus. So that was sort of my introduction into role-playing, uh, which then, you know, expanded into uh, into high school and meeting new friends and meeting a lot of people who have been really close to me over the years. And at this point, I can say that I have touched many different games. I have some favorites, like uh, a lot of the storyteller games from White Wolf are definitely some of my favorites. Yeah, the White Wolf, the White Wolf era, and now the Onyx Path era, I think, you know, continue to define what you and I have done with gaming in in a really in a big way, in a big way, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I can't stress enough how uh, rewarding it's been to make so many friends doing it, friend friendships that have you know lasted at this point decades. Decades. Um. And, you know, I think at this point, I've played every version of D&D except for Saga. Wow. Yeah. Dude, so. that's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. I didn't realize you had played that old. That really, oh. I mean, we're talking oh, yeah. like White Box? Is that like the White Box? Yeah, yeah. Where there were like four classes. <laughs> like, oh. like, I was a cleric. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Sweet Lord. I remember beating up skeletons. At this point, what the game's sort you of were, hazy. Well, you were, but, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, it would have to be. But, I mean, like, uh, so you were a cleric? And what was the what was the adventure? What were you doing? Uh, to be honest, you know, my early sort of introduction was less about story and more about like, um, you know, just sort of like a dungeon crawl. As mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, we were doing it to pass time on a bus, so for us, it was like no map. Yeah, there have been a map no map. For that. Hastily drawn things that he did on like sort of like to show passageways and things like this. Um, but you know, I think that you know that that sort of like whetted the whetted the appetite. And then it's subsequent times where I learned to appreciate more of the uh, story 
but then the actual like you know crunch of the game the sort of like the combat the the dungeon crawl so that's sort of me in a nutshell as, as my experience as a game. That's always been kind of like the um, force, like the tension that has really sort of like been the back and forth between us. I mean, one of the things we should probably just kind of get on the table is like I come to this definitely with the perspective of a game master, DM, GM. Ben is my most loyal player among a group of intensely loyal players. Um, just... We we've been playing for a long time, but Ben doesn't really run. I remember maybe one or two games. I have like a few aborted attempts. I mean, they yeah. were really almost like done before they even started. It's not my forte running a game. Yeah, and I think every GM can relate to those moments of this the aborted game where you're just like, you're just like, oh my god, like, yeah. like, what, what have I done? done? What have I wrought? <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> anyway, um. The, you know, it is fascinating to me. I mean, like, I had never heard this story of the uh, the bus game before. I oh, had, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Had, I had never heard this. I, I don't know that I ever told anybody. I mean, I think that, like... <laughs> you didn't tell, like, your priest? <laughs> like, like bl- yeah. bless me, My father. non-existent priest. I never I, told him that. <laughs> I have played Dungeons & Dragons in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I think that, like, uh, I remember early in high school... We had uh, we had a gaming group that definitely got together and played, and uh, I I remember that the one of the guys we played with who I'm not going to mention his name, but was uh, <laughs> look was you know what you know what man live in truth live in truth man all right we'll, we'll just call him uh, Toby. Oh okay, that's pretty <laughs> pretty specific, but all right, like well, not that much truth. Jesus. I guess I maybe maybe yeah. Anyway, um, I remember he he sort of brought me in. To tried to bring me into playing role-playing games with uh, all these guys and uh he was very overbearing about how he did it and uh, i i decided not to do it but um you know sort of like interestingly enough all the people that he played with i ended up playing with over the course of period anyway just not really with him uh and that's how i made a lot of my friends in high school i mean it's true i i, I will say that like while i had in my youth been kind of flirting with role-playing I never actually played until I played with Toby. Toby was the first actual game I played. That doesn't mean I hadn't owned like a million books. Like I had a, I had a blue box. I had a red box. Uh, you know, D and D set. I had first edition Shadowrun from from FASA with. Uh, the Larry Elmore picture on oh, the wow. front, where like <laughs> like ghost is like leading around the corner with an Uzi, and I was like, I was like, I remember being like eleven or something, being like, like fuck yeah, this is uh, I, I, crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I guess I guess down that time too, I had I was sort of privileged in that like there was a local sort of role playing scene that was pretty vibrant, and uh, not only did I have the people I met in high school, but then we transitioned to playing like sort of you know after hours at a game store um you know like on the weekends this was, this was lion's den uh it started off in Ly- lion's den and then it ended up at uh after lion's den moved it ended up at uh things for thinkers was the name of the game store bygones man oh nostalgia. yeah oh yeah they were those, those words just bring back nostalgia waves in my brain yeah and and you know it was quite awesome really because everybody would show up with different games and that was how i got exposure to a large amount of games whether it was shadow run or whether it was you know, Mage or any any cyberpunk and countless number of games I played there and I was able to sort of like, you know, I guess take in the bounty of the different systems that existed and, uh, you know, get exposed to different people's storytelling styles. And, uh, you know, that sort of like created my love of um, Brendan's games, honestly, because they were sort of a cut above. It really shows your hand when you say storytelling styles. I mean, that just right there shows your bias towards the kind of gaming that we did. I mean, in the 90s, we just got so immersed in the World of Darkness type stuff. We just really were those classic white wolf kind of cultists who were just drinking the Kool-Aid, man, and we're like, we're like, this is art, man. This is like art. I mean, it definitely felt like that at times. I can honestly say that, you know, one of my favorite games i look fondly upon was uh the giovanni chronicles that we ran for uh for vampire oh man good times good times but what's interesting is that and this and i think this kind of is an interesting point that there's been this kind of ebb and flow of what is kind of like cool in gaming and there was this weird kind of 
like like D and D definitely hit this lurch in like the early mid nineties, where late nineties. I I got into I got into role playing playing AD and D second edition for sure. Those are definitely the first books I bought were second edition AD and D. It was a beautiful time for definitely the classic Ravenloft box set, you know that kind of thing. Sure, gorgeous. But there was just something about the way that White Wolf came on the scene and they just created a different type of game that really just spoke to the time and spoke to the people and it spoke to this kind of like frustration that was going on. Uh, that interestingly. Feel like we're so off topic, but seri- but but interestingly, it's interesting still to me. There's this, there's this kind of frustration of oh my character feels so limited. The games feel so like um, contrived in their direction. Like I feel like I'm trapped on these rails and like I have no free will within the game. And yet, that gave birth to White Wolf, which was essentially saying you are the story. Your character is the story. Yeah, I guess it really it really engendered in me a love of sort of the collaborative storyteller process that exists between like a storyteller and player. Um, that to me is one of the greatest things that I got from White Wolf. Essentially, then not just am I there in sort of a passive on rails role, but it's my job to as a as a player to sort of uh, you know provide story of my own. And to tell my own story as well, along with the storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that uh, with that in mind, we, uh, you know, I I, I tend to approach later games that way as well. I think that we just, uh, we just uh, started a 5th edition D&D game. It's my first exposure to 5th edition. Um, And the first, my first reaction to 5th edition is that it is my favorite edition yet of Dungeons and Dragons. My favorite by far. Absolutely. It is the the pinnacle of Dungeons and Dragons experience as far as I'm concerned. I've never had a better one. Yeah, it's it's sort of surprising after the botched uh mess that I felt 4th edition was. Oh, a dumpster <laughs> fire. Oh yeah, it was definitely fourth a dumpster fire. Was a dumpster fire. Oh man. Now, now here's the thing, I understand people out there like people developers, line developers, freelancers, they they listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to dog your product. I don't mean to be I don't mean to be a dick. I don't mean to be a dick here. But like it, it, yeah, I mean when I say that, I, I approach it from the standpoint of a person who who definitely enjoys a certain kind of thing that fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons couldn't provide me. And I think that it didn't provide a lot of people that. And it's because man, we are so off topic. It is because fourth edition was trying to create an experience this is just not what D&D is and you can buy that other experience in any number of other products you know any number of other products will get you that experience but D&D is supposed to be something different and I really feel like for the first time in my life 5th edition of Dungeons and Dragons delivers that experience which is like the synthesis of story driven narrative with a tactical um chance situation you know what i'm saying like arbitrate by dice arbitrate by dice definitely yeah um and 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 i i feel like uh, the the way that the rules are written in fifth uh, fourth sorry fifth edition um really uh, allows a lot more leeway in how um the story can be told compared to uh, using way more dice rolls to do everything else. Oh, and because you and I, it, it bears mentioning, we're our, like hardcore vets of 3.5. 3.0, 3.5, we played the fuck out of that thing. Am yeah. I right? I mean, we played so, <laughs> we did. so we did. many sweaty I mean, nights of just being kind of like, you know. Ugh. You know, 3, 3.5, and then what Pathfinder became, which was sort of like 3.75. Yeah, Pathfinder, man, still a gorgeous game. But at this point, it's it's too number crunchy for me, too kind of finicky with like, how, am I am I grappling him? All this, I mean, yeah, remember fifth, grappling, dude? Oh, yeah. I mean, fifth, f- fifth feels like, the best parts of the sort of third edition Dungeons & Dragons uh, uh, rules um, taken and then with more story added in, more the capability for more yeah. story. And uh, I really appreciate it so far. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we decided that, um, I mean, okay, so I had been like, uh, you know, I lived in Los Angeles for a few years. I'm back in my hometown of Phoenix, and I didn't get to see my friends a lot. I didn't get to play a lot of games while I was in Los Angeles. 
And I mean, maybe we'll do an episode on that about like about like what makes a successful game group and what it takes to succeed in your environment as a gamer. However, that's outside the scope of what we're talking about tonight. I came back to Phoenix and I was just very stoked to get gaming again, but I had this plan, oh, I'm going to run Lamentations of the Flame Princess, and it just didn't seem to ever really be coming together, and I was just kind of like, well, i got to take care of this, and i got to take care of that, and like, oh, well, i got to write some more backstory, and all this kind of crap. Anyway, Out of the Abyss comes out, and I've been collecting every 5th edition book. I've just been keep. I've just, I mean, I want, I, I, I'm one of those hoarding gamers, I just buy everything, and I... I, I fill up bookcases with them and then I and then I, I'm like I get disgusted like fuck gaming I'm never gonna do it again and then I like sell them all and then I like slowly start buying it back it's some kind of like like Sisyphean task that like I set for myself and I look forward to I don't know I, I mean I've definitely been with you on some of those journeys where we look for um, you know like like used out of print books at, like you know various used bookstores etc it's been I, uh, I, it's I go, interesting I hit up the used bookstore circuit dude once a week once a week man I'm always in the hunt yeah. for, for those chase rares you know what I'm saying <laughs> but so I was at my local my my uh, F, FLGS and um, it was the weekend that Out of the Abyss came out I didn't even know Out of the Abyss was coming out I mean I, mean, I I was aware that it was on the on the I, docket for release. I but think we went there so that I could order Lamentations, Lamentations Core because <laughs> because we were gonna play it, man. <laughs> anyway, and then like um, it was uh, because they're they're one of those retailers that that runs a lot of stuff in shops. So Watsy releases early for them. They had the Out of the Abyss uh, campaign module on hand. I picked it up just to throw it on the shelf. I started flipping through this fucking thing, and I was like, oh my god, like I cannot pass up the opportunity to run this game. And it just has, from a GM perspective, from a DM perspective, it just has so much stuff in it that you want to run. Now, there's perhaps a little warning at this point, which is there's going to be spoilers. We're going to talk about Out of the Abyss. If you're planning on playing it, if you're planning on running it, if you if you really, really want to have that experience of cracking open the book and like not having any like insight into what's inside of it, maybe you should turn it off about now. Um... There's going to be some of the material that I created for the game specifically, and I'm not going to tell you guys slash Ben like what's mine and what's theirs. So I mean, that'll all be like a mystery. But um, so I picked up this book. The illustrations on the inside are gorgeous, and I think it was specifically on first impression very different from the Tyranny of Dragons storyline, which I felt was very much on rails. And that very much has this kind of this feeling like, oh, you uh, finish a quest and then an NPC shows up and tells you what to do the next quest is. And that's not my style. I'm much more into the um, very sandboxy type of games. Uh, Out of the Abyss is very sandboxy. And it takes place with a number of themes that I personally have always really wanted to um, play with. Like we've got the Underdark. We've got Drow. We've got um, Demons. Yeah, if ever there was a really sweet Forgotten Realms environment, it is definitely the Underdark. The Underdark. I mean, and here's the thing is I think I think that the Underdark presents some interesting challenges to the uh, DM slash storyteller because um, there it's – you definitely – you think of it and you're like, oh, fucking sweet. It's, uh, it's got so much cool shit. It's going to run all that cool shit. But then there are there's, – there's a downside. There is a downside that I did not anticipate, and, mm. I'll, and I'll tell you what that is in just a second. But uh, it's got some aberrations in it, you know. Um, so I just I just couldn't say no, and like I, I literally like, went home. I started reading it, and then like that week, I just wanted to call Ben up. I was like, make a character. But instead, I like I just held off, and like oh, about another week, and I was like, hey, uh, what do you think? You want you want to do this thing or what? And then we kind of like we put together a group. Yeah, I think that that I had not had any real exposure to fifth edition other than the commentary that had been given to me by Brendan. And, uh, you know, at that point, it sounded really cool. I just said, let's do it. And I went and bought the book, I think, that afternoon. Yeah, yeah. You you and Dustin in particular have been, like, super cool about going and picking up the book. And we do – we are in this weird period of transition where I think, like – and I have heard this a lot, so I don't want people to feel like I'm just, like, you know, piling on here. But, like, a lot of people feel kind of burned by fourth. They don't. They feel like they were taken advantage of, and I can see why, man. Like all that shit where they like release the rule books and then they like 
kind of repackaged the rule books and like named them something else. These like weird titles that you couldn't even you didn't even know what was in the book. You know, and every book was a bunch of different classes with different progressions and a million classes. Yeah. And then the, the the GM materials were on some level. I mean, it was almost like buying a an expansion for Descent or something where it was like mass. I was going to say the exact same thing. I felt like when you played fourth edition, it was like playing Descent plus. Mm hmm. And uh, that's, you know, I, I, I'm not generally a big fan of Descent, so for me it was kind of like, I don't really enjoy what I'm doing here. Well, I mean, like, that's a totally legitimate style of gaming that I completely oh, appreciate. I, agree. I mean, you and I have played Talisman like a billion times. Sure. And it's fun. It's, 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 it's good for some chuckles. Definitely played some miniature games, too, over the years. Uh, one or two. Yeah. Thousand miniatures games. Uh, and... and but it's just, it just wasn't what we were looking for, you know? And there are some guys who really respond to it, and I think they're in the minority. I think that they're um, outliers, but our friend Adam is particularly into fourth, and I think we're going to try and get him on here at some point to talk about it. I mean, we'll see. Adam, Adam Oh, yeah, that'd be good. He's kind of disavowed the role-playing world a little bit, but I'm Life hoping... catches up with people sometimes. Well, yeah, of course, of course. I, I but, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that if we, like, really, like, I don't know... Um, we, we promised him some beers or something. Maybe he'll come down and, and talk to us about his experiences and with Vampire and Fourth and some of these other yeah, things. Yeah, I think of all the people I knew, he was definitely the one that was most into Fourth Edition. And he remains into Fourth. He remains into it. But I guess the point I was trying to make is that you might have some difficulty if you're trying to pitch a 50 game to your friends. You might have some difficulty with like this kind of like, oh, I'm in Pathfinder mode. And Pathfinder has done this amazing job kind of locking down the um, fantasy scene by um releasing like a billion supplements and so people are like heavily invested in this game and they like don't want to buy another game you know what i'm saying i mean they don't want to do it and i, I especially when you start looking at the D core set and it's like 50 bucks a pop and people are like oh my god you know which i i understand but what i'm really just trying to get the word out about is and, and maybe i'm late at the party the fucking game has been out for over a year now maybe everybody knows this shit already <laughs> yeah. but like yeah i feel like i'm raving about something that's been out for a while here yeah, and like, like oh <laughs> like you go out to the newfangled store and enjoy that 90s music <laughs> yeah like oh you guys are blu-ray dude it's like so much better oh man fucking laser DJs. discs are the future <laughs> but so yeah so we we we, 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 we bit the bullet and we're like, fuck this, man. Out of the abyss, we're doing it. And so we put together a group real fast. And I, at first, I thought I was going to have to pull a bunch of teeth. But then it just came together, and I had to turn yeah. a bunch of people away. Yeah, and f- and yeah, I think you had to turn away like four or five people. Well, let's say three. Let's say oh, three. Okay. But um, I had to turn away three to keep the table size at like a, a healthy a healthy number. You know, we've we've all we've all gone down that road where we can't say no to our friends, and we have like the eight to ten person game, and we all know how ugly. It inevitably becomes. You might. You, you I'm might, sitting over here nodding as he's saying dude, this. Dude, it's just, it's just like <laughs> you end up getting punished for your inability to say no later on. So I bit the bullet and I said no to three people, and we did a character creation. Now, Ben, tell me what is your impression of D and D five character creation? I've been meaning to ask you this, and okay. I want to hear your thoughts. So, uh, a little bit about the classes themselves. I find them very interesting in the sense that they're like sort of the classic Dungeons & Dragons classes. Um, and then, rather than do this sort of like, like 3 three and 3.5 had that sort of like prestige class thing. And, yeah. And this ra- rather just allows you to sort of explore different branches of what could be in the same class when you hit level 3. Which I find to be really interesting and really interesting. Uh, really rewarding and allows you to sort of separate your your character uh at least on the surface from like another character who might be the same same type initially and this was a problem yeah, early on this was a problem was. in 3.5 where you had like i mean okay one of the main problems in 3.5 is that you it was still married to this idea of oh you need a magic user you need a uh rogue you need a cleric yeah and, and this really has a lot of bleed from like all different classes together you can huge. play sort of like an arcane fighter yeah. who uh you know is, it can cast spells and and fight like a fighter you can do the same um, with the monk or oh, the yeah. rogue i mean they really kind of they, they 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 parsed out the magic it's like they moved everything from being a venn diagram that had either no no touching or just barely overlapping to just huge overlaps like we don't even have a cleric in this group we don't even have a cleric and i don't think it's even gonna be a problem no cleric and in point of fact i think our, our group contains at this point a uh 
Uh, I myself, a little bit of background, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm very fond of monks. This guy likes so the monks. I do. I, I do love the monks. This has so. been a point of contention in the past because, like, monk is, uh, I don't know if experienced DMs may agree with me, disagree with me. Monk is a class that can be problematic. Yeah, um, but aesthetically, I enjoy it. So that's what this I'm going true. to be playing in this game. Um, you know, uh, our buddy Dustin is a paladin. Our uh, uh, another buddy um, Alex is playing a gnome enchanter, mm-hmm. and our buddy Jeff is playing a uh, tiefling warlock. Warlock, and then Heather is playing a drow th- rogue. 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 Yeah. Yes. Drow rogue. Now I I I. Uh, I I find the party composition interesting, um, but back to really about the character creation process. And, and um, yeah, I mean, talk about the process, the experience of like using the book and using the rule set, and also like how you felt the session went. Okay. Um, first off, I love the idea of the the backgrounds. I find them, you know, very super rewarding. Hot. Yeah, I I think that it's it's a way to sort of like put down things on your character sheet that can later be used as hooks to drive the story. Um, that is, uh, incredibly useful, um, and I think rewarding in the long run. Uh, so that, uh, my, I think might actually be one of my favorite things looking at fifth edition as, uh, uh, a fifth edition character creation rule set. Um, now I think that, uh, you know, we've, from, from where we approach it as, uh, players and, and storyteller, um, we like to, uh, put sort of. The character on paper, but beyond that, we like to uh, definitely provide a detailed backstory for our characters. Um, in the long, you know, I think that 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 is another way um, to sort of drive future stories. I think that you know the the storyteller or the GM or DM it's reads just, our reads our backgrounds yeah. and then provides extra grist for his storytelling mill i mean it's just uh it's definitely a way that the players show a certain level of investment in the game and they sort of like do their part in the like the creative process of the game now i'm I'm not at this point in my life super sold on these games where there's not like a solid gm or where the gm doesn't have like what you might call full control of this of the narrative but i really appreciate it when my players put a lot of work into, or at least a lot of thought, and you can kind of tell based on what it is that they've written, uh, because it, it, it just makes, it, I'm not going to say it makes my life easier, but it makes my life more, more fun, you know? Well, I think it makes the experience richer for all of us. I mean, we can provide, through the background, we can sort of provide um, uh, an insight into you, into where we see, where we where our characters come from, A, but B, where where possible like roads that that enmeshed where we'd see our character going um and i think that's that's very useful no i mean absolutely absolutely and i just i know that in the past i've always ranted at people who like do who don't do that stuff and i'm always like like what's your problem man like like what like like oh i'm just supposed to sit here and fucking entertain you i'm supposed to like dance around like make you (laughs) like 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 come up with this shit for you to do like every week and you know i mean when you're a lot younger it's like cool to not invest in things (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I guess. It, just, it just reap rewards. Oh. <laughs> of course, now you realize later that, you know, you put more investment into the actual story Dude. process and you the rewards you reap are much richer. It's, so it's like it's like fucking anything in life, really. You get back what you put in. You know, you can't invest if you don't pony up some cash. You know what I'm saying? And so you Definitely. pony up in the front end and then you, you know, cash out on the back end, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, I have this penchant for monks and, um, you know, uh, just sort of as a backdrop to my character in general, I had, uh, sort of been, um, exploring recently, um, the world of like wuxia and shansha fiction. And so for me, that provided a lot Dude, of like... Dude, explain, explain what that is. Because I know, I know you told me what that is, but nobody else knows what that so, is. So... Like you and like two guys on Reddit know what that so is. So the, the classic like... <laughs> yeah. The classic uh, wuxia film that most people will know is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Right? It's this uh, sort of fantastical Asian fantasy, chi- really Chinese-centric fantasy world um, fiction in which people have sort of mystical powers and magical kung fu and... 
and uh, you know, I think that um, I, I have been, you know, thanks to the wonders of the internet, recently exposed to um, translated Chinese novels that that are in this uh, capacity, and I've been reading them. So for me, that provided an awesome backdrop to sort of like mesh that world with uh, the classic Dungeons and Dragons Forgotten Realms world. Which I think is a great uh, synthesis there. I think it was a great merger there. And I used to really battle this because I used to have a hard time with the monk because I just always saw like Kane from Kung Fu or Kane from Kung Fu Legend Continues. And I was like, I was like, fuck this. I don't want this guy in my game. I don't want that. I don't want to have to deal with this shit. But um, D&D in particular has done a really great job of like making uh, cool illustrations of monks that aren't necessarily either like David Carradine or like a Dragon Ball Z character. And so it makes me so I can get behind that but, shit now. You, you know? know, the next time you want to do a mortals campaign and like uh, like modern times mortals oh, campaign. No, fuck you. Oh, I know man, you're, I'm I know gonna where be, you're going. I want to be a no cop way. who no is the way. son oh, of Jesus. a Shaolin monk. Yeah. All right. Estranged from his dad, yeah, who okay. learned martial arts, dude, done, and, and uses it to to beat down the criminals. And uh, Jeff can be um, a guy who has a talking car and uh, uses it to fight crime, you know, <laughs> because because you guys are clearly on the same page as of right now. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. So anyway, I so I you, just, you went with Monk. Yeah, we, I went we, with we, Monk. I think we have a pretty good party. It's pretty pretty balanced i mean there's you know i mean i don't know it, yeah i, don't I mean think it, we we just had our opening session and you know i think that um we haven't had a lot of exposure yet to each other as characters uh for the first session we did this thing i like to do i stole it from white wolf i still do it uh even in D D. I i did i ran a, a little prelude session because um i just really feel like you, you should know the story behind the story just a little bit um so, so I, I rewound just a, just a hair, and I had a one-on-one session with everybody in the party where we kind of find out how they all end up in the Underdark at a very particular place. And I'm not going to... Dude, I'm not going to lie, man. It, I was exhausted by the end of that. Like, I... Like like a dude who because ha- I, I, I didn't play I didn't, I, I role played like one or maybe two sessions of a game in fucking like in in California over the course of four years. Yeah. And so and I didn't run anything. And so, like a dude who used to like like lift tons of fucking weights or something, and like be like real good shape, and then like he, he gets like fat and eats a bunch of donuts, and then he goes out for like a run one night, and he's like, he like wants to barf, you know, like like that was me, man. I was like, I was like, where did my gaming muscles go? I like wanted to die. I was so beat, especially after doing Alex's. Like I just felt like. Alex's uh, prelude was just it, it was like one, it was like an eel and I couldn't I just couldn't get my hands around it it was just it was just you just kept moving you know what I'm saying and eventually really? yeah dude eventually I was just like okay a hobgoblin hits you with your sword and you're going conscious I can't <laughs> I, I I need a I need a break I need, I can't I can't do this anymore so yeah um, <laughs> I I missed some of that I we. You know, I think that we, since it was sort of focused on individuals, a lot of us sort of wandered around and, and you know, did our best to sort of not interfere with that. Yeah, that's cool. that's cool. I mean, I want it to be like a hangout time. It's like, you know, I like to game with my friends, be friends with people I game with, you know what I'm saying? And so I hope you guys are all friends too. And I think you are, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, and I had seen some of some of people's, and I saw a little bit of uh, Alex's, but not, not uh, I certainly didn't catch the uh, wrestling of the eel at the end. Yeah, well, I mean, it just never seems to me... Like okay, so there were I ran four preludes for five characters. Okay, so uh, two characters decided that they wanted to um, have like linked backstories. They were they're both like uh, like underworld characters from Menza Branson. and I'm, I'm I know that I'm mispronouncing Menza Branson, but. Th- when you're a little kid and you're reading those fucking books, there's no like pronunciation key. And if there is one, you sure as shit don't use it. You know what I'm saying? So this is what me and my friends been saying for like 20 years, and I'm just gonna keep saying. It. And I know it's supposed to be Menza Berenson or something, right? But yeah, Menza Berenson. But but it sounds like but it doesn't doesn't Menza Berenson sound like so drowy and like like, <laughs> ooh, like ooh like ooh that's fucking sinister shit. Anyway, so they're like they're like these kind of low level criminals, and they like. Uh, theirs was a little bit of a, was a little hairy too because they're supposed to be these like low level criminals and they're like, supposed to be escaping from Menza Brands and where things got a little bit too hot. And the thing was is that's like Heather, my girlfriend, my buddy Jeff, like they were supposed to like essentially kind of like 
coordinate what was going on so I had a better idea about that so I could write the prelude for them. And I never really heard from either one of them. And they were, <laughs> I, I, like, like I know Jeff was like super busy. And then, so you like, jumped on the moving train. Yeah, so basically I was like, okay, guys, sit down. And like, and they were like, like, like as I was walking up to the table, they're like, yeah, so we decided that like we're already together and it's like after the point in, 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 in the timeline where we've decided to leave Menza Baranzin because it's like, because things are getting hot. And I'm like, and that basically was just like, you could just take all my plans for them. And so it's like, I put a big X through it. Like, because <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, because my, my whole plan all week had been like, oh, well, it'd be kind of cool. Like, we'll do like a little city chase. We'll do like a, like the, you know, like some like a drow house like is enraged with them and like chasing them through the streets. Maybe we'll do like some rooftop crap or some back alleys shit and you know some criminal type type stuff. Show them a little bit of the city so so that we'll have some different kind of beats for like how things feel because you know that's one. This is one of the big problems with running the Underdark BCW. Okay. Let's go out to the DMs here. Storytelling the environment of the Underdark is an unbelievable task it is like it is daunting as fuck i i I ran um a pathfinder game for a long time it was called uh council of thieves i ran this this module game i kind of like these module games since they're fun to i mean i ran giovanni chronicles ran council of thieves now i'm doing out of the abyss i do run my own stuff but i really like to take these um prepackaged adventures and then kind of riff on them anyway like uh council of thieves takes place entirely in this city called west crown and over the like year and a half that I ran that game, I had a lot of opportunities to kind of think about what the city looked like and and kind of define in my head the character of certain neighborhoods, how each neighborhood is architecturally different from another, that kind of thing, the kinds of different people that you encounter there. And so one of the th- one of my ethoses, if the ethos, I don't know what the word is. As a, as yeah, a, I can tell you. As a, as a GM is. Um, the setting is a character. The setting is a character that you are playing. And when you are doing the Underdark, it is, you think, oh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be all this like surrealistic shit. And I'm going to be able to just like do whatever I want with it. But the fact of the matter is, is when you're sitting there on the fly, you're like, it's a fucking cave. You're in a, you're in a big fucking cave. <laughs> yeah, there's some walls and uh, yeah, yeah, stone. Dude. and Yeah, uh, it's dark, man. You can't even like, because you, you, you've never, I mean, when I was a little tiny kid, I went to like Carlsbad Cavern or something. And I mean that I was that was like twenty five years ago maybe maybe more, I don't really remember it that well. It was like the one time I was ever in a cave, and it, when I you, had a similar experience as a kid at Carlsbad Cavern. Must be something that happens when you when you live in Arizona. Like, yeah. you have experience as a kid at Carlsbad Cavern. <laughs> they take you there. Your parents are like, it's summer. Go to Carlsbad Cavern. But um, when you are just running a classic fantasy game, you're like. Oh well, we've all been to the woods like once. Like I know what the woods are like, and you can kind of remember like, oh well, sometimes I'm walking uphill, and sometimes I'm walking downhill, and sure. And then there's like different descriptors for like scary woods and like yeah, yeah like it's like eerie so, woods. Dude, it's, it's so fucking easy to be like, oh, you know, it's dark and there's like some mist on the ground and like this fucking trees look skeletal and shit. But like when you it's a scary cave. Fucking caves, man. <laughs> <laughs> caves, uh, caves, caves is caves or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And it's like so now. I mean, I, I had done some brainstorming on this before we before we played the preludes, and I, dude. But it was like it was almost like everything just went out the window the second that we started playing. It was just like it was. I I am over the next because we're we're only, we're only playing twice a month, so over the next two weeks I am gonna just be fucking beating as many ideas out of my head as I possibly can. I think I must have been a little bit lucky on that note because I think that, uh, you know, from my uh, prelude, the descriptions were definitely um, more, uh, were, were, were definitely uh, a cut above than just a cave. They were, you know, quite, quite descriptive and uh, eerie at times. So, well, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's great about, about Out of the Abyss in particular is, I mean, I was doing, I was doing a review of it, um, earlier, and uh, apparently it was written by a guy who um, the primary author has a lot of experience with Call of Cthulhu. If I'm wrong about this, and we need to get an ombudsman or something, then I apologize. But this is this is what I read. He wrote a, he wrote a lot of Call of Cthulhu stuff, and uh, the game. I mean, it's so good. It like really just reads like a horror game. It reads like those classic. Maybe not like a World of Darkness game, but it reads like a D and D horror game that isn't Ravenloft. It's not gothic horror. But it's still horror, and so I really feel at home and comfortable in there. 
But I'm glad that those descriptions worked out for you. And Heather was watching a couple of the preludes, and she said that yours and Dustin's really popped. And those were the ones I was too most excited to run going in. I was, I was still. I did witness witness Dustin's, and I thought his was uh was quite fun. So Dustin's man. By the time I got to Dustin, it was like I was feeling kind of bedraggled, and like I had so much more I wanted to do with that, and just kind of like. You get caught up in this time stream where you're just like, where you're like, oh, but I should have said this, and then you're like, oh, fuck, but I didn't. So it's like you can really just like add it in. I mean, I, I thought his was really interesting for a couple reasons, really. I think that like, um, you got to see uh, a little bit more, I think, of the character than maybe a lot, and you wouldn't a lot of the other people's because you got to see him make some interesting decisions, right? Mm, that's fascinating. Like, like, uh, like he had some people who were like hurt that he could help or not help, and and his decisions and how he approached it. I thought it was uh, was very interesting. Dustin's playing an avenging paladin. He 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 isn't an avenging paladin yet. He's playing paladin level one, so he hasn't got to be an avenging paladin yet. But he that's his plan at third. He's taking in that direction, and his his prelude is that he he's he's moving through the underdark where he's he's entered the underdark in like a quest of simultaneously like personal extermination and vengeance against the drow who have who have. Um, wounded him in the past and he um he encounters some slaves some escaped slaves of the drow they're humans and they and they want out whereas he wants to go deeper in and then there, there i mean there was some kind of interesting like uh, certainly between them. certainly i mean you got to see like what he valued as a character whether it was helping these people or moving on with his personal mission and uh i thought that was uh that was quite interesting i was a little bummed that he wasn't more interested in interacting with the other humans but it was definitely enlightening because now it gives me a much better barometer for where his character is at i mean i'm not gonna lie uh i i definitely i knew he wanted to be an avenging paladin i knew that he was gonna be playing a darker character but uh the way that he like sort of callously disregarded like the needs of like unarmed humans who are like, without without food or like torches and he was just basically like get out of my way like I'm on a mission. I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "What?" what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Really?" Yeah, that caught me by surprise that's too. Not, that's I not have very paladiny, but it is. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm not gonna be like. I mean, it it, it worked. It worked for the definitely, character. definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, we sort of have a darker party in general. I think. I it think. Is. I think we uh, ended up with two characters who are evil, myself included, um, and then two characters that are neutral and uh, one good character. So uh, that'll be sort of an interesting thing to sort of talk about as we uh, as we continue with the show, like later on, different episodes, how how we interact uh, as characters with each other when uh, we have these sort of disparate, um, you know, alignments. The character creation uh, parameters were very loose for this game. I really, it's my first game back, and I didn't want to. When I do vampire and stuff, I do like really super detailed, like shit. We. We we've done some very narrow character creations where I just where I basically tell them like, well, this is the game I'm running and this is what I'm looking for and if you want to play you can play and if you don't want to play I'll find somebody else. Um, but for this game it's like, you know, it ain't Shakespeare this time, guys. Like I haven't <laughs> done this in like half a decade. You know, we're rusty. Getting as back fuck. on the horse. Yeah, you know, let's not let's not you know have our reach exceed our grasp. So I was just like, I was like, hey guys, just do whatever you want, go bonkers, man, like do whatever you want. And of course, like the one fucking time that I'm just like, I give everybody like a blank check to do whatever weird shit they want to do, then everybody's like, I want to play a human paladin, I want to play a gnome enchanter. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you guys don't want to be drow this time, you don't want to be tieflings. I basically had to like coax people into playing, like, hey. You know, remember that? You, oh yeah. You want to, you want to, you want to play like you, you like this kind of stuff, right? And then he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, sure," you know. Yeah. But um. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's uh. I I, I find it personally. I, I think that when when I was younger, uh, at times it was sort of hard to to have groups that could, you know, work together all the time, especially when people were approaching the game from from or approaching their characters in certain ways that were, you know, very antisocial at times. Um, but this, 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 I, I, we haven't had a chance really to coalesce as a group yet. Uh, Cause basically the session consisted of, of the preludes and then, you know, sort of where we all meet up and there was a, a, a short, a short story about us meeting up uh, as prisoners 
of the drow. Um, and so, you know, we, we are introduced to each other. Um, and the, But we haven't really had a chance to see how, how that influences how we interact with each other. Well, I mean, we kind of got like a, we got the barest be the barest inklings of that as a, in the sure. in, in the front end. Um, but you know, we we try we play on Sunday nights, so uh, and everybody has jobs, so we have to. It's it ain't, it ain't like in high school, kiddies. So <laughs> people got to go home. People got wives now. People got kids. So um, it's definitely like a, okay by nine o'clock we need to be wrapping this thing up. And so I tried to honor that definitely for the for the group for the party. And so we got done with the um, the preludes. So what was it? It was um, it was uh, Jeff and Heather encounter slavers outside of outside of Menza Baranzan a significant yes. way after after wandering. And that was that was kind of done on the fly. And it was probably not my best work, but I think it was it was okay. It was like, oh, you already spoke about how you were sort of like got on the bucking bronco there. Yeah, you know, I just kind of ran with it. Yeah. Um then uh what else? Then then uh Alex encountered the the hobgoblins that I mean I had a whole a whole fucking thing about and I'm hoping that I'm still gonna be able to use it about like some kind of like I won't tell you, but I'm hoping that 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 hobgoblin subplot has not gone away. I intend that I intend for those characters to show back up. And oh yeah, yeah. I mean, his kind of like lack of interest in like how he got there like was disappointing. But I'm sure that we'll I'll address it to him. I'll be like, hey, dude, you know, like you you got knocked unconscious by hobgoblins in the surface world. Now you're in the underdark. You're not curious about that at all. Yeah. Um. Then um. Like what was it? Then, then you were wandering, and you kind of had these like these strange visions. Yeah, I had some strange visions, and uh, you know that were very mysterious and eerie and off-putting. Um, and uh, you know, I I encountered, uh, you know, sort of artifacts from those visions, along with some drow slavers, and uh, ended up enslaved. Yeah, yeah, and I I think yours went well. Oh, I I thought mine went very very well. And then um. And then, then Dustin encountered those those escaped slaves. Yep. And uh, and then he also came upon like a strange kind of like fungal growth in the Underdark that he and his companions had not ever encountered. And he was rescued from that by a drow who then subsequently enslaved, enslaved him. him. <laughs> so, so you know, you can all see There's where this a is going. theme here, I yeah. think. Yeah. Generally speaking, I do not like this kind of take-you-by-the-nose kind of shit, but... Yeah. yeah, I once had the bright idea, I think, as a... As a as a storyteller to kill the players and resurrect them as a plot device. Wow. And that, and that, uh, that didn't go over so well. well did, didn't they like have like an insurrection where they like, Oh, well I guess we're all dead. So we're going home. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I guess, you know, we were younger and I had this sort of wild fluky idea and I decided to go ahead and go with it without really, you know, talking to anybody about it or really, you know, letting people know that like certain things could happen. And, uh, people were quite upset. <laughs> no, I remember that. Yeah. I remember it back because I mean, Okay, here's the fact. You and I were part of, like, one sort of gaming clique in high school that had, like, two factions, right? It was only, it was split on kind of, like, uh, age lines. Sure. You know, there was one group of guys that were a little bit older and that I gamed with, and there was another group of guys that were a little bit younger that you gamed with, and there was a little bit of, like, cross back and forth there. Yeah, so, but it, something that happened, too, after the older guys graduated, and then, like... Yeah, more... And, yeah, more. And then, uh, you know, we, we sort of all absorbed together. It's true, it's true. Like, okay, when you were talking about the mixed alignments, do you remember that game that um, Aaron ran at Chris's house with um, Adam... Uh, pro, <laughs> where like where the, with the with the, the infamous game, the pal- weren't you a ninja the, or something? The, the, I was I was a pirate. Oh, I had a pirate. Taken, okay. I, had, I had one of those like oh, Chris was the ninja. I can't remember what the fuck Chris was. And someone got stabbed Some, in the someone eye. Someone was a necromancer. <laughs> what maybe Aaron? No, no, that was okay. Adam ran that. Adam ran that, but Aaron was playing in it, and he was the necromancer. He was the necromancer, and I stabbed him in the eye. I remember that because <laughs> yeah, he wanted because you were a barbarian, and you had some magic no. equipment that he wanted to take from you. Yeah, it was it was some it was some kind of it was some kind of bullshit where he was he, he was trying to make he was trying to impose like uh world of darkness rules into a, a second E uh D&D game that just yeah, I mean, so contested contested roles contested that were sort of charisma like charisma checks or something. But yeah, it was like, it was quite awful. Yeah, there was supposed to be like a guy the, the GM the DM was like 
supposed to be running this thing, but then the player is like, I'm going to make a charisma check, and if I succeed, then you are convinced to give me your armor unless you make an intelligence check. And it's like, and, but he was, he was doing the, he was doing the, um, he was doing it against another, the other Ben, the other Ben. Yeah. And, uh, the other Ben was playing the, was playing the barbarian. And of course right. his, his intelligence, he's a barbarian. He had, he completely like used that as his dump stat. And so, I mean, like he, he just walked him into that whole thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that was a, it was a debacle that ended in party conflict session one. Yeah, party conflict and ended in 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 friendship conflict as well for you know the next twenty years. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, definitely a time in which we had a harder time uh, playing with different alignments amongst each other. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're in high school, you just do you do you do weird shit like that. Yeah. So we got those preludes under control. We got that set aside. I mean, and then everybody, you know, and this and this is kind of where the you know, the actual material of the book begins. This is, I mean, I'm fine saying that, you know, the book wants you to just have everybody wake up in a prison. You wake up in a drought prison, you know, don't know how you got there. Um, or maybe you have like flashes of a memory or something that the GM can narrate. I think maybe like, I think that there's, there's a possibility that they like, have you read one of those like little three sentence kind of like, 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 Oh, you wake up and remember drought raiders. That could be, I'm not entirely even remembering it, but at this point, you guys are all, you guys are in that, like, classic D&D dilemma of we are now in a box, and we don't have any of our gear, and we have to get out of the box. And this is where you, I mean, this is where you see, like, this, the inventiveness of D&D. We've all been in this situation. We've all witnessed it. Definitely. This is this is where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, and we have, uh, you know, I think we've already talked about amongst, uh, like, you know, a little bit over in the end of that session, sort of some of our ideas for getting out of this oh, box. Oh, yeah, no, I've heard your, I, I like how you say ideas, like, plural, like, there's more than one idea, there's only one idea. Uh, I, I've put forward an idea, let's you know, put it that way. Oh, I, I, as a player, as a character, have put forward an idea that relies on uh, brute strength, and, uh, I, I think and, this is called uh, a bum rush, isn't sheer, it? Isn't yeah. that what this is called? Sheer, 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 uh, sheer strength, and maybe the sacrifice of some of these other lesser important prisoners. Um, there's, there's some NPCs in the in the in yes, the, uh, yes. the cell with them, which in the, in, uh, in the style of like evil gamers, these guys are completely ignoring. They're like, uh, "What? There's NPCs in here. Of what use could they possibly be?" Well, we know what use they could be. They're they're meat shields for us, you know. Oh. Like, oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I kid. Wow. I kid. I kid. <laughs> well, why didn't I see it that way immediately? No. no. Um, so, I, sometimes I you have to like, step around from the screen and just see the meat shield. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I think that we that was sort of the end of the session. So I think that yeah. while I prevented, where I presented the first idea, I think I wouldn't be surprised to find out next session that people have ideas. Related to how we can escape, as well as people probably been thinking about it over two weeks. Well, I think I think you know Jeff is the kind of guy who has like a clockwork mind, and he is going to be efforting. He is going to be he he next time the next time I see him, I'm going to see him tomorrow. I'm going to be down at Game Depot tomorrow, and he is going to have an idea. I practically guarantee it. Um, as to Alex, he is the one PC who seems to be availing himself of uh interacting with the npcs there was a hint maybe that dustin might join him there and then that got sidetracked as i started interacting with with uh, dustin's character oh nice so you're just being like the, the real good role model like right from the beginning as usual no um i i think that uh you know i think that that'll happen naturally anyway i think that a lot of us were just sort of uh worried more about like the box that we were in at this point and yeah. we'll I mean that's the, I mean that's the thing like um I remember once I played in a game where we got thrown in a, a prison and the and the and the the concept of the game and this was back when in high school again when when because it was weird we played a lot of D&D in high school and we stopped playing D&D for like 10 years then we played a ton of D&D again and we stopped playing D&D and we played a bunch of World of Darkness now it's like back to D&D right um but I played in this game and in high school you didn't tell your players what the concept of the game was. Like you didn't, you you didn't announce to your group like, oh, you guys are all gonna die and be resurrected, and that's the that's the that's the theme of this game. Or you didn't, you didn't say, oh, the first session's gonna be a little weird. You gotta roll with me on it. You just kind of like played the game, right? And and people were responding to exactly what they were seeing happening with like it's kind of like going to see a movie without seeing the trailer, you know? Yeah, definitely. And um, 
I mean, I guess there's something to be said for that for sure, but it also can like me. It also means that you are not guiding with preconceptions what the actions are going to be later. And um, we got captured in for session one of this game, and there was like a gladiatorial arena, and that was the conceit of this game is that. Oh, you're all in the gladiatorial arena, and you're gonna have to fight different monsters for the like amusement of the guys who are holding you or whatever. And to be totally honest, I mean, like looking back on it, that's not a bad idea for a game. No, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of interesting story in there, you know. Sure, sure, I could see it. You know, I mean, especially considering that there's gonna be there's gonna be. I I think if you removed the focus from the gladiatorial arena, which was because we were in high school, that was the idea. Is like, oh, you're going to have to fight. You know, you're going to get pushed out. And you're going to fight a monster, and then you're going to go back, and then you're going to fight another monster after you healed up. But like, if you had a lot of stuff going on, um, with the characters interacting with this situation of being glad gl- gladiatorial slaves and the NPCs that they encounter, like. I mean, watch the movie Gladiator. They made a sure. fucking movie about this whole idea, and it's a really good movie. It's still a good movie years sure. later, you know? Sure, So there's definitely a story there. There's definitely a story. But we didn't know any of that. We were just, like, told, oh, you're, you're prisoners now. Uh, and we were all like, okay, well, how do we get out? <laughs> that's, like the first, that's the first thing. We're not, at no point were we like, well, then we must fight for our honor. We were like, no, we got to get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean... I think that mimics in a lot of ways, though, what people would generally be like. The first reaction is to want to not be there, you know? Like, Well, yeah, but I mean, like, imagine if you go to jail. Is your first day in jail going to be you trying to break out? Is Are you going to be, like, testing the bars? Like, are these sturdy? You know, I mean... It, no, I... I uh, you know, I don't think that's necessarily what would happen. But I also think that there is a certain person that would. You know, you hear about those those classic sort of like guys who escape from jail multiple times, well, only to be the, recaptured. These and, are like ex- exceedingly rare like sociopaths who who have a gift for understanding like, the failings of of not just like uh, machine mechanisms, but like human mechanisms. Sure. You know, whereas most people like the, the I'm, and I've never been to jail. Okay, so I'm not gonna like stand here and make it seem like I'm some like hardened criminal or something. Like, oh yeah, when I was on the inside, I met a bunch of dudes were just like this. But I I think that if you watch something like, for instance, Orange Is the New Black or like really any show about being in an institution like that, and the first thing you gotta do is you gotta figure out how to deal with people around you. You know, because you're you ain't going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? That's true. You know, that's just but this the, is but my the, take. But there's, there's also a gradual process of of the jail process there, right? Like, like, you know, you go to, you go to court, there's like a, there's an arrest period. There's, You're right. I mean, you got and, me, you got me on that. This is, this is slightly different from that. Cause you it's just wake true. up and you're a prisoner. Yeah. And I mean, like if the first couple of sessions were you being like, well, I'm going to cry and I'm going to be like talking to my lawyer about my appeal. I'm going to call home a bunch of times. Like that wouldn't be very good role playing. You know what I mean? It's it, it that's not like dramatic role playing or heroic role playing or even anti heroic role playing. Yeah, I think I think on that note that that's a little that 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 probably to me speaks to the bigger difference between why we, people act a certain way there. Um, the fact that we are just suddenly prisoners, wake up prisoners, you know, uh, rather than rather than sort of acclimating ourselves gradually to the idea of being prisoners. Not that anyone fully acclimates the idea of being a prisoner. I can't imagine really that. Well, happening. no, there's those dudes that do. Uh, there's those guys who get institutionalized and they can't hack it on the outside or whatever. And I mean, and like I know that you. That was I, that character in Shawshank Redemption, the old man who gets out and then kills right, himself. Right, right. And I, I, at this point, in, as long as we're referencing movies, I and I was having this discussion with Heather the other day. Um, I know a lot of people dog the Spike Lee version of Old Boy. It's the only one I've seen. But to me, the most powerful part of that movie isn't when he like finds out that he boned his daughter or whatever by the way spoilers um <laughs> yeah, spoiler but um that's that that was i haven't seen it no you ruined it for me oh um it's not that part for me it's the part where he like goes back to the room and he pays the gangsters to like lock him in there and feed him you know what i'm saying to me that's where he's like he's like you have this character who is um he he he's just realized about himself that he sucks at being a man in the world. You know what I'm saying? That the world 
I mean, on some level, he's he's admitting he's kind of like a piece of shit, right? He's like he's like he's like out here in the world where I make my own decisions. I'm a piece of shit and I do crappy things. So I want to go and I'm just gonna like take the size of my world and I'm gonna shrink it down to this like little room, and inside this room I can be a person. I can be like a whole person. Now it's been a long time since I've seen Old Boy. I've only seen the Korean version, and uh, that that to me is like slightly different than how I remember it ending. So it could be that's just a difference between the, uh, the American version and the Korean one. I didn't really need to see the Korean one, but I will say that I highly recommend the um, well, Spike Lee version. Every, you know what, man? People like like this shit all over it, but I think that's because people don't like Spike Lee. He's one of those guys, no matter what he does, people don't like him for it. And um, it's, a, it's a great little movie. It's like it's like, it's like a thousand times better than like 98% of the stuff that will come out this year. But because it's got Spike Lee doing it, like, Oh, nobody wants to hear about it. Well, I think there's also a certain like uh, elitist, like film, film person who's seen the original Korean old boy and can't be bothered like to ever like anything. That's sort of a, uh, uh, reissue of that. Yeah, and I mean, and I do take that point where they're like, "Well, why remake this movie? Why don't you just release, do a wide release of the of the Korean one?" I mean, I totally get it, and I and the and the reason for that is that no nobody will go see it. <laughs> you know, not that I think that like the theaters were busting full of people who were like lining up to see the the um, no. Josh Brolin version, but it does have Josh Brolin in it, and he's quite good. Um. So I mean I guess with that like radical descent into um <laughs> tangent uh we're going to call it on this episode of the show want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening uh, Definitely uh thank you and I hope that our rambling on various subjects didn't uh you know wasn't too off-putting Yeah and I I really hope that you come back for our next uh episode which we're hoping to have out in about 2 weeks we will have a guest our first of many our, that really that's the format that we're going for here is that we want to have like a third person in every time uh, that kind of rotates in a rotating chair. Definitely. So our good buddy, Dustin, who is playing the uh, avenging paladin, who I, his name is either keel or kale. I don't know yet. He hasn't, I haven't actually heard him say it yet. Uh, uh, keel or kale, the avenging paladin. Uh, he'll be in to talk about the game and about his experiences and about his views. And then, because we uh, were unable to do the live play, the actual play, rather, for um, Out of the Abyss, I have floated the idea of a Lamentations actual play to a group of people, and I'm hoping to do character creation for that in two to three weeks. Can I play? Yes, of course you can play. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't play, I don't know, I don't know what I'd no, do No, I'm excited myself. for that. I think it's going to be great. Um, I actually, I actually came up with the concept for that one today while we were listening to that other podcast, and I was listening to their. We were listening to a, a, a podcast, D and D podcast at work. We work together, you know, full disclosure, and um, it was a it was a group of people doing a character creation, and I was like, I was I was really taken by the way that they do character creation, which is radically different than we we do in our group. But I was like, huh, I wonder what that would look like in my group. And then it, somehow, instead of being inspired to do a character creation like that, I was inspired to run a particular storyline for a game. So um, Nice. I, yeah, right? And that was really the problem with Lamentations. That's why I wasn't able to get off the ground. Is I was just like, what the fuck am I going to run for this thing? And to be told, what's weird is that I had this... Uh, my original plot I was gonna do for Lamentations was oh you're moving through the mountains and you get like taken captured by these by these <laughs> warlords and then you're enslaved by them and I'm like well I can't do that twice I, I, I mean literally I was just thinking this like the other day I was like well I mean I could just go with that one fucking plot that I already kind of wrote in my head and then I'm like I'm like eh I I can't do two of the same game especially if I'm talking about them on the internet everybody's gonna everybody will know yeah everybody will know my shame <laughs> but um. So I got Iron GM coming up this weekend at Game Depot, and I'm probably going to run Lamentations for that to kind of like like maybe test out some of these ideas that I've had. And um, we'll be back in two weeks. I want to talk to you when we come back next time for the next episode a little bit about how that went, by the way. Well, you know, I'm still hoping. I'm still holding out that you might come down. Well, even if I do come down, I won't be with you. I can't play in the same group as my buddy. Yeah, I have I, to play in a different group, so I want to hear about your... Your, your thoughts on how that went. Well, I'm still hoping that you'll come down and play, and I can oh, hear I, your thoughts about how it went. Definitely. I think, I think I've already committed. I just have to, uh, at least I've committed already internally, and I just need to go ahead and send in the uh, 
the acceptance to the person. So wonderful to Patty, as it were. Wonderful, wonderful. I look forward to it. All right, man. So I think we uh, have a lot going on and a lot to do in the future, and I can't wait to do it. Absolutely, and I can't wait to play more games. Yeah, me too, buddy. Me too. All right, see you guys next time. Thank you. Good night. This has been Full Metal RPG Episode 1. You are listening to Abyssal Planes by Legion. Used with permission. Thank you.